We would like to acknowledge that this podcast, Voices of Sustainability, is created on the traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Sustainable Waterloo Region is situated on the Haldeman Tract, the land promised to the Six Nations that includes six miles on each side of the Grand River. Hello everyone, welcome to Voices of Sustainability. I'm Sabine. And I'm Lauren. We are part of the organization Sustainable Waterloo Region, or SWR, and we will be your co-hosts. SWR is a non-profit organization in Waterloo Region, Ontario, championing business-led and community-focused climate action. Through this podcast, we want to amplify diverse perspectives and voices in the sustainability movement. We hope you find these conversations meaningful, educational, and inspiring. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, uh, Voices of Sustainability. We have a new guest today who we're very excited to have on the podcast, uh, Tony Bridgepaul, co-founder of Maya Vision and actually a former uh, board member of SWR. So it's great to have you back with us, Tony. Welcome. Thanks, Avene. Good to be here. Yeah, Tony, thank you so much for coming. We're really excited to chat with you and, and hear more about your experiences um, involved with SWR and also uh, outside of SWR. So, yeah, looking forward to having our conversation. Perfect. And first, before we jump into, you know, our serious questions um, about your experiences and um, we want to ask you something a little fun. So what is your favorite weekend activity? I know that you work really hard during the week. So what's something you like to do on your weekend? So I've got, uh, I've got two daughters, ages uh, six and four. And so weekends are just all about them, doing activities with them, spending time with them and my wife, obviously. Um, so yes, work hard during the week, but family time on the weekend. Um, doesn't always work out well because there's always chores to be done, cooking, cleaning, all that that you only have time for on the weekend but yeah that's uh that's my favorite weekend activity so diving into some questions here tony um we uh want to just allow folks who are listening to get a bigger sense of um who you are and what you've done in your career um, right now you do have a pretty cool role as the co-founder of myovision and some of our listeners may know about it some may not um would you be able to give us a brief rundown of what your company does and your role uh and um, kind of what your what your day-to-day looks like yeah great question so MyoVision, we're a, we're a tech company and we build traffic and transportation systems and we deploy them globally. And so what does that mean? Uh, well, we help fix safety and congestion issues. And the way we do that is by collecting data from the roadside and then translating that data into useful analytics and then helping traffic engineers make decisions about what to build, what not to build, how to build it, what should the traffic signal timings look like, uh, should there be a bike lane here or not. Uh, so our data and analytics support all those decisions. And for for me, for my role at MyoVision, uh, I'm what they call a, a product manager. So uh, my goal is to go out into the market, find problems, unique problems, that no one solved before and that MyoVision is uniquely capable of helping solve. Um, so I sort of work on the, 
the bleeding edge of, of our products, right? It's something that's never been done before uh, and trying to get that to market and make it successful. Uh, for me, that's sort of the, the most interesting part of the, of the job is trying to figure out new things and doing discovery and testing and failing and succeeding. And it's, uh, and it, there's always new stuff. There's always stuff to learn. And so that's the, uh, that's the excitement around, around my job. That's really, really interesting, um, especially as someone who studied urban planning and is really interested actually in transportation planning. I, I thought that um, when I was reading up about my vision, I was like, wow, that's a really interesting way to kind of integrate those two things. Um, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I would say no. Um, I. <laughs> it's interesting. I got, you just kind of your life kind of falls into place. Uh, I, I studied engineering at Waterloo, at the University of Waterloo. And I thought I would go on and do a master's and, you know, be, a, be an engineer. Um, yeah. But it just sort of happened that this opportunity came along. I had a friend in university who, you know, he had an entrepreneurial drive. He's the CEO. He's Curtis McBride. He's the CEO of my vision. And I just sort of went along for the ride, but it's been a, it's been a fantastic ride uh, with him and co-founding the business and growing, growing it. And, um, you know, doing, doing what I think is, is, is interesting and cool and, and, and helpful for the sustainability movement as well. Very, very, very cool. Um, you know, actually kind of, cause you talked a little bit about university. So did you grow up in the Waterloo region? Did you just move here for school? Yeah, uh, so I um, so it depends on what time frame we're looking at. I, I did grow, I grew up in Mississauga, but I didn't grow up fully in Canada. Um, but I grew up in Mississauga and came to the University of Waterloo for school, and then just sort of never left. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so uh, it's actually like a really small, tiny country in South America, um, just sort of sandwiched between Brazil and Venezuela. It's called Guyana. Um, and so I left there when I was two, uh, we moved to the Caribbean. So I spent about five years in Trinidad and Tobago, which is an mm -hmm. island in the Caribbean. My dad was a, a professor at the university there. And then when I was seven, we moved to Canada. Um, and so I've sort of grown up here. Um, but yeah, I do have that background and, and it's interesting. There's, there's, a, uh, my family definitely has like the travel bug. Um, since then I've. I've, I've spent time in the U.S. I, I spent four months living in the U.S. I did exchange to Sweden. Um, my brother lives in Europe. My sister lives in California. Like we're sort of all have this need for the world. Um, so that's, yeah, that's one of the good things I think that came out of that, that yeah. uh, experience. And have you been back to, to Trinidad and back to Guyana? Uh, Trinidad, yes. Guyana, no. Um, sort of everybody sort of left. So I don't really have any family, um, any real ties there anymore. Um, yeah. Canada's home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel like your background, where you've grown up, all those different experiences? You said that, you know, your family's moved around a lot. Um, how do you feel like all of those things have kind of contributed to how you engage with the sustainability movement and how you approach things? Yeah, um, and it's, it's, it's a really good question. I, I, 
I've thought I've thought about where where that that innate thing comes from to be interested in sustainability. And for me, like for me, it's um it's kind of funny. I'm a minimalist. Like I hate stuff. I use hate as a, hate is a strong word, but yeah, I, I like I don't like stuff. Uh, and it's just always been there. It's always been a part of who I am. And so for me, the sustainability movement is really around like, do we need all of this stuff that we have, right? Do we actually need it? Probably not. Um, I, I used to, I joked with my, with my wife that my goal was to keep only as much stuff as I could fit into my vehicle so that at any point in time I could get in my car and just drive somewhere. Um, and so I just, I think, I think there's some, some sort of, uh, some sort of thing where, you know, you're, you're moving country to country and um, where you, you sort of pack light and you just take the bare necessities of what you need and, 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 and don't need much more. And so that's for me where um, this innate interest in sustainability lies. I think that's such an interesting aspect of the sustainability movement, you know, talking about degrowth, talking about our need as a society to kind of move away from an, an inherent consumeristic culture in order to foster a livable future um, for future generations. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot too, because I'm, I mean, Savonet and I are actually, we're both prepping to leave for BC and we're both yeah. kind of moving our <laughs> lives across the country. And I'm looking around at all the stuff I'm taking in the U-Haul with my partner and thinking, oh my gosh, like, is this actually necessary? And it, I think it takes such a stark um, kind of um, like mindset to really, to really hone in on, on being a minimalist and, and really committing yourself to that. So for you, having grown up with that expectation, I think is a huge benefit um, because that way, you know, being a transient person, it, it kind of makes it easier to then continue to, to continue, yeah, moving around if you want, which is freeing for sure. So exactly right, <laughs> it's such a freeing. It's such so such such a freeing experience to you know clean out your closet or clean out your basement or right. So yes, Absolutely. totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. Find what sparks joy? <laughs> she says, <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we want to kind of dive into some of more of your experiences, um, you know, within your job and, and being uh, really, you know, a, a key player when it comes to mobility traffic um, solutions and that kind of thing. Um, for you, I know that you've mentioned in, our, in some previous conversations that you work in the technical side of sustainability, so very solutions oriented. Um, and my experience from from observing the technical side of sustainability, I've observed that it is pretty white and male dominated. Um, is that something that you would agree with? And if so, um, how have you seen this impact um, sustainability uh, in the technical side for people who might not be um, white uh, or male or yeah, might belong to a marginalized community? For me, the 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 it's, it's symptomatic. What you just said is symptomatic of the entire tech community. It's not just sort of tech sustainability. It's, it's across the board. Um, but I, I, you know, I have seen changes happening. Um, for instance, you know, for, for, for MyoVision, we have way more female software developers than, than we used to. Um, it's still, you know, a handful. I can count them on, you know, there's probably five, but it's still way more than, than we used to have. And, um, from my work with the at the Accelerator Center, I'm seeing some great female CEO founders uh, come through. 
us in clean tech and outside of clean tech. Um, there's three of them. Um, you know, Erica Shelley is the CEO of Best for Bees. There's Rebecca, who is the CEO of Equator Software. Evelyn is the CEO of Evercloak. So, and these are sustainability focused companies that I'm seeing and they're, they're female founded, they're female led. And so um, I think things are changing, not fast, but they are changing. And so I think we should be proud of that and, and, and the work that people are putting in to make that happen. Absolutely. I think um, it's been pretty remarkable, even through this podcast, I've really enjoyed having conversations with folks to find out about all the, the cool ways that um, that the sustainability movement has been morphing over the last little while. And um, something that a theme that we've continued to lean into within this podcast is um, talking about really the value of why those diverse perspectives should be amplified, you know, why we should be having people of color and women of color in those positions of, of power and leadership, um, ultimately, because that then informs the work that's done. Um, so for you, you're a racialized man, you're working in uh, the tech side of sustainability. Um, how does that really inform the work that you do as a tech leader? And um, what do you think is, is the value in that as well? It's, it's a super interesting question. Um, because it's interesting because I don't really think of myself as that when I'm approaching work or, you know, making decisions in my life about what, uh, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Uh, maybe I have that luxury. Um, but, but for me, I've, I've never really thought about myself as a, a, a racialized person. Just, I just brought my authentic self to work every day and just sort of done my best. And, um, and I think, you know, uh, it's, I think if I spent time thinking about that, it would actually take away from just getting things done, um, right? Like you're you're getting up, you're trying to be the best husband, best father, best co-founder that you possibly be. Um, it's it's that's that's your focus, or that's my focus every day, and just try not to think about <laughs> you know the noise that can sometimes come into your come into your life. Um, so yeah, and I, and I don't think I don't think I'm unique. In that, like I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've read about other, you know, other, you know, racialized folks in the tech community. Just, you know, at the end of the day, they just think of themselves as co-founders and CEOs, and and the same with women, right? They don't want to be identified as women co-founders. They're just co-founders, right? And so we're just all trying to get get this get this stuff done, right? We're just all trying to hustle and, and get stuff done. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Tony, um, and something that even kind of came up as we were discussing like the origins of this podcast and what it means to like amplify diverse voices. Um, I think it's really wonderful like what we've been able to do with this podcast, but I also think that point is really important, right? Because at the end of the day, like when we kind of look at all the work that we're doing, um, you know, I approach like my my work in urban planning, my studies, um, definitely from a different lens because of the, the experiences that I've had growing up, like my all of my family were all immigrants to this country, like those things inform a little bit of how um, I approach like culture, I approach like my understanding of um, my academics and the work that I do. But um, at the core, I really wanna be looked at and identified as someone who is, you know, hardworking, brings my best self, um, 
and is able to to do what everyone else is doing. Um, so I think that's a really interesting point that that you bring up, and it's important to remember um, because you know the the work that you're doing with with MyoVision I think is awesome, and I would never you know look at it from from that from that lens only like this is like a racialized person like in this technical space like no this is tony coming into the space doing awesome work he's a great co-founder um and i'm really excited to see like what happens next with myovision right yeah and there's exactly. definitely a, a level of, of confidence in your abilities too that that comes with that um and just knowing that what you have to bring is important and essential yeah totally agree I'm curious, Tony, um, another thing we've kind of talked about a little bit in this podcast is um, the role of mentorship in, um, you know, in the sustainability world, in the tech world. Um, have there been any mentors for you um, who really paved the way that um, that you are appreciative of? And um, also, what do you see the value of that mentorship um, for young folks like Savine and I and other listeners who might be coming into these roles as well? Yeah, great question. So I remember... I still remember the day in university when Jim Estel, who's a well-known entrepreneur and co-founder and angel investor in the area, I still remember the day when Jim Estel came to my engineering undergrad class and talked to us about what he had done with his career. And I think that uh, that really struck something within probably a bunch of us, but me especially, to say like, yeah, you know, this is a possible career path. Um, and then within this community, I, I, I've just found that everybody is always willing to help. Um, there is a bit of this competitive edge, but there's also a sense of, uh, you know, a rising tide floats all boats, right? And so I've just found people in the community just always willing to lend a hand and help you. And, you know, if you're struggling in an area, going to somebody with, some success there and asking them, you know, how did you do it? And then vice versa. There's sort of this pay it forward um, community uh, feel here that I'm not sure exists anywhere else. I think you'll hear the community tech people talk a lot about it. It's real and it helps build companies. Um, and so for me, um, I don't think I would say that I had, you know, one specific mentor. Um, it's the you know, it's the, what's the saying? It's the, it takes a, a village to raise a, raise a child, right? Like it's the village here that has helped us, uh, myself. I know other co-founders would probably say the same thing uh, that, you know, it's been a lot of people for a lot of different things, helping us to get to where we are today. And, um, and, and so one of the things that I, I'm trying to do is, so I'm a, I'm a mentor at the Accelerator Center. I'm a mentor at Velocity. And to sort of give it back, right? To help help um, the next generation of tech companies uh, bring their solutions to market. It's 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 really fun. It's really interesting, um, and and for me, it gets me back to my sort of entrepreneurial roots. You know, risky, not knowing if this is going to work out. The that sort of excitement. And so, uh, for me, that's how I'm trying to trying to pay it pay it forward myself. That's awesome. As a young person in sustainability, even though I'm not in tech, I think that's something that I'm 
grateful for for folks um who are willing to yeah to do that and who who have that perspective and i think that's something that's so exciting about sustainability is it does feel like a it's, it's a community effort you know like we're all in this together and we're all working towards a brighter future together so it's really great to know that there are people fostering that um yeah that that kind of growth for for younger folks coming into the role yeah um I guess my, my next question is kind of what your hopes are for the sustainability movement moving forward. Um, mentorship is really, really important, I think, especially when it comes to sustainability, especially from the, the perspective of myovision. Um, it definitely is really interesting to hear about myovision because it has this direct relation with sustainability in a lot of ways. Um, and I think even for me, as someone who's not in tech, but interested in that space, um, it's interesting to hear like what you've been able to achieve and um, kind of what your perspectives in terms of my vision, then also you personally, what you think about uh, the sustainability movement. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty hopeful about the sustainability movement. Like the, I I'm starting to see, and I think generally people are starting to see some some the shoots of fundamental change. I think one of the one of the most profound changes that I think is happening, and when I talk about sustainability, what I'm what I'm talking about is sort of clean tech, right? And there's this sort of tech industry, right, geared towards sustainability, which I think MyoVision is a part of. But there are lots of companies out there that are that are sort of clean tech companies, and I see quite a few of them at the Accelerator Center. And one of the challenges that clean tech companies have is raising capital. Um, and the reason they have challenges raising capital is because clean tech companies, um, they're not typically, you know, quick return companies, right? They're, they're longer, long sales cycle. Myovision is an infrastructure play, right? Like we have, we have these long-term benefits, but the challenges is for investors, they're sort of looking for fast, fast return on their, on their capital, right? So, the question, the question that that you know, I think we should be asking ourselves is how do we fund these companies better? How do we look at this over the long term instead of just sort of being short term focused? And I think, you know, you're starting to see some of this happen both in the in the financial markets and in um, sort of the funds that are operating with um, ESG becoming a thing, right? environmental social governance becoming a part of the, the, the um, uh, how companies are evaluated, how they're, how they're valued. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more investment in sort of these sort of clean tech companies that may not provide quick returns, but, you know, the value of what they're talking about, if they get it to market is just so massive that, you know, it's worthwhile just continuing to throw money at them, right? And I mean, it's whether you hate Tesla or you love Tesla, like they're a great example of a, of a company with a grand vision, the market just threw money at them, right? But, but it's interesting, right? Like, and we've, because of that, we've seen this sort of fundamental shift to electric vehicles and you can't argue that they have led the way, right? And so um, I think I think more, more of that, um, that sort of uh, financing and, and, and just money flowing to that area uh, will be a huge benefit to the, to the sustainability movement. 
Yeah, that's really, um, that vision of what sustainability could look like is very promising and really exciting. And kind of on what you said about Tesla, I feel like they made it like stylish <laughs> to have an electric vehicle, right? Uh, when I see a Tesla driving down the highway, I'm like, wow, like that's beautiful. Like what a, what a gorgeous machine, you know? So yeah. um, I just, I hope that as the sustainability movement continues within tech, we see more of that and we see investors looking at what the long-term really amazing benefits of um, funding or funneling their investments there could be. I think there's a, this is, and, and so I was, I was pretty upfront with Lauren, like, I'm not a policy person. That's not my cup of tea. That's not my area of expertise. But this is where policy changes could help, right? Like, just skew the favor, skew the market. I mean, I hate to say it, but skew the market, skew the financing, skew, skew it towards uh, those clean tech companies. And I think we're, we're, we're seeing that. Like, uh, a couple years ago, um, I went, uh, there was a few of us, but I went in front with Tova. Uh, we went in front of the the, the region, the count, council at region, um, talking about greenhouse gas emissions and setting targets. And I was there as the MyoVision representative saying, you know, transportation is a huge, mm-hmm. huge impact to greenhouse gases in the region. Um, we have a solution that can help with that. And so uh, may have been a so- sort of uh, a, a minor point, but the region has adopted MyoVision uh, and they're rolling out at every single traffic light. Yes. So if you drive, if you drive through an intersection, you might see this sort of little camera. It looks like a bell. It's called a bell camera. You'll see it at, at, at intersections. Just take a look around. You'll see one. That's a Maya Vision intersection. And so, um, you know, uh, kudos to the region um, for 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 adopting that technology because they, they, you know, they see the value in in what we're trying to do and the value in sustainability. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, you make a really interesting point. I I come from a policy background, so I always really enjoy having conversations with folks who do come from more of the technical side or from the entrepreneurial side, because I think that it it really interests me how the role that policy and government can play to either help or hinder the process of transitioning, but also the fact that it seems we're kind of we're constantly I mean within a capitalist system there's constantly the arguments of you know deregulation or more regulation and um, you know whether the government's seen as the bad guy or the good guy and who's kind of leading the movement and I've always been of the mindset that I think states and governments should be leaders and should be setting the standard Um, but you see so often it's the government trying to catch up with industry. So um, I, I've noticed that with the electric cars, for example, you know, the yeah. fact that um, now government's like, oh, wow, you know, can, businesses are seeing a need that consumers want electric vehicles because Tesla paved the way and now government needs to respond to that. So I think something I'm really hoping for um, on the policy side is for a lot more proactive um, decision making and policy making so that we can pave the way for these decisions to be easier because we do need to transition a heck of a lot quicker, especially in the wake of the most recent IPCC report. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's, there's every, you know, area plays a role and I find the push and pull to be so interesting to sit back and you know kind of see ways that we can we can tweak that in favor of uh, you know sustainability moving forward yeah yeah and even thinking from a from a technical perspective like um when i was um assisting as like a project coordinator with charge um with swr 
I read countless reports um, just about what it would look like to have um, electric vehicles be pieces of development in like condos, housing, uh, just to make it more convenient for residents to be able to think about electric vehicles as an option, right? Um, and it was crazy the amount of time that is going that will have to um, go into having municipalities think about how do we change the way that we require developers and that we require people to think about the ways that their communities and their houses are built so that they can accommodate these things and then from that from there how do we think about it in terms of how the city is put together and run our fleets where we have chargers um, where does that funding actually come from? What does that mean in the development process? What does that mean in like the EA process? Like there are just so many considerations to make. And so um, sometimes I can be a little bit graceful with government in trying to, you know, think about these things because it's really a coordinated effort and it's more than just a municipal problem. It's more than just a regional problem. Um, definitely requires a national approach. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us home. It's the last question, um, Tony. What are you most proud of? This is a big one, so yeah, uh, yeah. Take a second and think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good question. It's a tough question. It's hard to say one thing. That's the challenge, because uh, life just keeps presenting you with new and interesting challenges along the way, right? And so. You know, the thing I would say that I was proud of 10 years ago would not be the same thing I would be proud of today. Um, I think you should like three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're going to push me on it, huh? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Uh, so for me, I think definitely graduating from Waterloo, that was a, that was a major proud moment, uh, engineering and was not easy for cer certainly, right? Not easy to, to get in and not easy to get through, but that was a proud moment. Starting Maya Vision, another, you know, very proud moment. Starting and growing Maya Vision, another very proud moment. Um, again, like not easy to do, not easy to, 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 to get through it, but, you know, we're, we've been pretty successful. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the, the third is uh, definitely family, right? Like, I've, I've got a wonderful wife and two wonderful kids. And again, not easy, lots of challenges, but uh, really rewarding, right? So um, those are sort of, uh, if you had to push me on three, those would be the most important three that uh, I'm proud of. That's awesome, Tony. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I think you've shed some light on really nuanced and, and important um, points with as we consider sustainability moving forward. So we really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for speaking with us, Tony. Yeah, you're welcome. It was, it was fun. Thank you.